Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And uh, today we're doing a part two conversation on the uh, living as a pilgrim or being called to be a pilgrim or uh, really the conversation is about cultural engagement and uh, a kind of sense I had now a couple months ago on a posture of being a pilgrim in life. So this is about, really it's about authority, speaking authoritatively, and it boiled down to uh, semi-divisively. This is one of the episodes that I've been talked to the most about in person uh, <laughs> with some diff- with some difference of opinion on, uh, you know, the ethics of living as a pilgrim for your whole life, meaning... Um, you know, is it okay le- to be... To be in to a be learning chair. A learner and observer. Now, when you say part two, you mean part two from months ago. Yeah. Yes, yes. Not from last week. So week's. someone has to be a pretty prolific listener to know that. It's okay. We'll we'll cover the bases. I don't expect, <laughs> you know, this isn't a, a true crime podcast where I expect you to keep all the details on your notebook next right. to your bed stand or whatever. Yeah, this was a significant, another kind of aha moment you had. And when you described it to me, I said, man, I want to I hear more about that and I want to talk about it. So we saved it for this uh, moment. So I am eager to hear about that. Before that, though, John, it is story time, and it is your turn. It is my turn. Uh, I can't remember when it was because I've had a little uh, vacation, and I've <laughs> lost all semblance of time. and Don't even know what day it is. Barely. So uh, I don't remember when this was, but I recently told stories about my uh, grade school, like way back, like first through third grade, thereabouts. And uh, so I thought I'd tell one more story from there that I had that I think about every now and again. And I have no idea why, you know, you never know which memories are just going to stick. Just like really, really right. small moments. This one I think was first grade. I think this was oh. like, yeah, I think this was first grade. What and was the name so, of your first grade teacher? No clue. I have no idea. That's the only teacher from elementary school I remember her name. Really? Yeah. Mrs. Baird, like Baird's Bread. Although I don't know oh. if we have Baird's Bread up here. We have it in Texas. And her name was Mrs. Baird, and she was, uh, I would say, you know, now, uh, thinking about it, she's probably 50. She had blonde hair, and she wore the thickest makeup. I think you could scratch her face and come away with nothing but makeup all up your <laughs> nails because there was no. And uh, But the thing is, she, she told me uh, I was awesome. She was the first person in my life to tell me I was awesome and that I could that I had, that I was a good reader, that I was smart, that I was awesome. And uh, I'll never forget her. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I can't remember the names of any of my teachers from my first school. I can only remember how one of them looks vaguely. Uh, And she had all white hair. And I remember her crying when we graduated (laughs) from second grade. Oh, and I thought she was crying in class every day. No, just just the last day of school or whatever. Oh, okay. She, she kind yeah. of was moving on. And I remember as a kid being like, I didn't know we meant that much to you. Not that she was mean, but right. just, you know. Right. Uh, anyways, so anyway, this, first grade. Sorry for interrupting. No, it's okay. Also, another mini story from her class. My buddy Connor at the time, I remember, I remember his name. He, uh, I went to go sit down. I'd gone to the bathroom or got some water or something. I come back to the class, and I go to sit down, and Connor pulls the chair out from behind me. And oh. I fall on my butt. Oh. And, <laughs> and so... He's laughing, 
and I'm, you know, embarrassed. And the teacher, this this white haired woman, uh, she says, you know, she gets on to him about it. And he's like, what? It was a joke. And I I remember being grateful that she had my back on it and, and made yeah. him go outside or whatever, did something. That's um, funny because you were probably twice his size. Probably. he. Yeah, he was a smaller guy. You you must remember him, I think. I hung out with him a lot. Uh, I remember the name, but I, I don't, I'm not getting a face. His uh, parents, they took me to like a Nuggets game. They were always kind I of do remember that. Went to like a monster truck rally. Oh, they yeah. must have been loaded yeah. now that I think about it. I didn't notice that as a kid, <laughs> but they always had Papa John's pizza when I was over. I was I was loved going over there. That's anyway. Hilarious. So I'm, first yeah, grade. Yeah, I'm losing the, what is that, losing the plot. Yeah. Uh, first grade. You do the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, you know. I bet you. I, you know, kids. Still I don't do know that if they still there. do that. That's an interesting question. I, I bet you they do, but maybe now I you bet can just they not do, do not. it. Yeah, public back school. when I was when I was in school, teachers would make you. I bet yeah. you now you can say, "Hey, I'm not doing that." I bet anyway, they don't do it at all. That'd be interesting. Somebody, you, somebody, let us know if you're a teacher. You got a kid in the first grade. You let us know. My money's on. They ain't doing that. And I bet they still do, or at least that I hope they do. Yeah. Anyway, so Pledge of Allegiance. And, uh, and I, you know, I do this, obviously I'm not thinking about it. I'm a first grader. Uh, but I also know that saying the word God in certain contexts is not good. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't say, Oh my God, or, you know, anything like that. Oh, right. And so, using it as a slang word, you mean, or right. something. Yeah. But, but I didn't see any contradiction there. There's, uh, there's one nation under God mm-hmm. and I, you know, you could say it there. You could yeah. say it in church. Yeah. So, uh, this girl in my class says, you know, in first grade, she says, oh, my God, about something. And I, because in my head, it's a cuss word. Like, I didn't make a <laughs> distinction between cuss words and Lord's name of Vain. So I said, hey, what are you doing? I said to her, I said, I said you can't say that. You can't do that. <laughs> she, that is hilarious. And she says, what do you mean? I said, you can't say God. And she says, well, we say it in the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> and I about had, like, an existential crisis. I was like, we do say it in the Pledge of Allegiance. What is the problem? That is and so I, funny. It's a I first no, grade theological debate. Yeah, I had no answer for her about why one was okay and the other wasn't. And that is so funny. Yeah, I didn't connect the dots that her family is probably fine with saying that, and mine wasn't. You know, or anything like that. You know, so, um, now that I think about it, in in my elementary school in Texas, we prayed over the intercom. Really, it was Pledge of Allegiance, and then it was a prayer for the day. Wow. Yeah, that's and that's how much the world has changed in grade my school lifetime. or high school or both. Uh, grade school. You did say you prayed before games in high school. High school, games. they still yeah. When I was living, you know, we were living in Texas, and I was writing sports for the local high school. I would go in the locker room before games and at halftime, and they did the Lord's prayer every every game. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, so get us going on this topic here, John. Uh, for those of you who don't enjoy our stories, I'm sorry we're seven minutes into this and we just now getting to uh, to the meat of the conversation. But I want to hear, John, frame this up for me. Well, I don't mean to break your heart, but our average is about seven minutes for the story time. So Is it really? We're, yeah, we're par for the course. But okay. I, think, uh, I think they'll forgive us. I like making pars. Yeah, I bet. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> if I golfed, I'm sure I would be thrilled with a par. Uh, okay, so a little recap of the first conversation was basically a moment of prayer that I had and uh, and thinking about basically the the contrast between biblical figures between someone like um, Paul or uh, or even David uh, authoritative figures John 
John the uh, Revelator, not John the Baptist, although he mm-hmm. counts too for these these teacher figures, these leader figures, and then um, seemingly lifestyle, life lifelong um, pilgrim or learner figures. Uh, I think of uh, uh, Timothy, even though he probably almost certainly graduated at some point in his life to elder and 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 pastor. But I think of Luke, who played support for uh, all the gospels. I mean, hugely yeah. important, and he he wrote and he taught. Uh, but he, you know, he's a he's a pilgrim. He's he's recording. He's learning. So it was the concept uh, that you could live your life that way and be called to live your life that way because you're because you've been gifted that way. You've been designed that way as a, as an individual person. So not as a not for so not everybody for all would humanity. Be a, not everybody would be a learner for their whole life. But exactly. some people are called to that. But that I could, yeah, I could I could do that, and kind of releasing the the guilt or the pressure of that. And so the guilt or pressure of not being an activist. Exactly. Or or, yeah, exactly. Okay. And so uh, originally the contention of the first episode was largely cultural. And so someone says, you know, what do you think about our immigration laws? And I could say in full ease and peace of, of mind, heart, soul, whatever. uh, I don't have an opinion on that. That's not, you know, I'm I'm a pilgrim. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have much to say about that. Well, and, and you would. What I understood was your answer to that would be, um, I don't know enough about that subject to have a valid opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because basically. I because I'm not an expert on immigration. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not a. Um, I, I I wasn't born in Mexico and brought here. I don't know what it's like to be one of those people. Right. Uh, I don't know enough about border issues and the economics of the border. And the crises of the board. I just don't know enough, so therefore I will not express an opinion. Yeah, that's what I basically. thought you meant, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And uh, so then uh, I came across a verse more recently that seemed to me uh, to answer some of the, the questions that come up in that that idea. So this is Second uh, Timothy 2. Uh, I'll just read the whole paragraph. So that's 22 through 26, but primarily it's uh, uh, 23. So 22 is context. But it says, uh, and this is Paul's letter to, to Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of, of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So the big one here was uh, 23. Uh, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be able to be kind to everyone, able to teach. So the the pointed word there is foolish, you know. But basically this was, to me, a sort of similar affirmation of there are things that divide, and uh, if you want to, if you can be bought all in, maybe it's not worth talking about those things at all. You could say if you can be bought all in. What do you mean? I mean, like if you so really context of this is, is a, another conflict that I've had in my heart between Paul saying, you know, I've chose to know I, I choose to know only Christ and him crucified. So, like, how far does that go? Tension between that and really stuff of the the natural world of the human world or the the secular culture or politics or yeah you wonder like does paul have did he have a house to maintain and grass to mow 
bills to pay? <laughs> Did he have to reconcile his bank statement? Did he have any no, possessions I, to steward? Is that what you mean? No, it's not. I mean, so they say, Paul, what do we do about our oppressed people? He's, you know, he's a Christian leader now. And they say, Paul, what do we do about these Romans being, you know, wads to the Jews for, for a hundred years? <laughs> and he would say, and he would say oh, well, I don't know anything but Jesus. Yeah, Jesus and Christ and him crucified. I mean, that's his whole thing. You know, be and, and he would teach them better through the gospel on how to live Jesus because Jesus didn't have much to say about that either. So to me, it's there's pressure and then there's uh, peace. So at what point can I be at peace with saying, hey, I'm, I don't I'm not going to talk about these things that are quarrelsome because instead I'm going to to teach and live and love the way Jesus did. So. Help me with the, there was a part of that passage that said, correct people gently. So if you're able to sit it out, why would he also give you instructions on correcting? Because that is on what I, really for me, it's things that do and don't matter. So he's saying there are things that don't matter and that yeah. they are quarrel, they, they produce quarrels. They're not worth it. And there are things that do matter. So he's saying and this on is the things what, that do matter when you, when you talk about those do so yeah. gently and humbly and graciously. Exactly. That's exactly right. And back to the pilgrim thing, you know, the pushback I've gotten is on um, never taking the responsibility role or that it seems kind of, you know, slippery as far as taking responsibility. But here you'll see, uh, and he's talking to Timothy, who is going to represent Paul at this church. Uh, but he says, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. So there is an authoritative role there. So maybe the pilgrim thing that I'm talking about really shifts from not away from the uh, Luke style um, recorder and learner, uh, but it's more about things that do and don't matter and having peace in the fact that I'm not going to get elbow deep in a quarrelsome conversation that doesn't necessarily matter as far as the kingdom's concerned. Now, those of you who are listening and saying, I'm about to tap out of this thing, stick around really, because it's about to get really good because there's a. There's a aha moment to this that I think is um, the clarity of the whole thing. But what I want to 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 help us get there, John. What I what I'm I'm summarizing what you're telling to me. Sure. You're telling me that um, that on all things that don't matter, you're able to stay in the pilgrim chair, and the only things that do matter are the eternal ones. Are the posture of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the work of Jesus in our lives, the presence of Jesus in our crises, that really the only things that matter are people and God. And on those matters, you will not be a pilgrim. Uh, you'll be, you'll be, you'll, you'll be, you'll still be a pilgrim because you're learning forever, but you will be a vocal pilgrim. You're willing to weigh in on and talk about those things. So I want to go back to the example of Rome. Paul, what do we do? They're attacking Jews. They hate the Jews, and they're attacking Christians at this point. Yeah. And and his answer would be, we follow a crucified king, so we will join him in his suffering that we might also join him in the power of his resurrection. And so we will we will complete in our bodies what is lacking in the suffering of Christ that we might also enjoy the power of resurrection. So I think he would have a lot to say about that, and it would not be take up arms, kick their butt, and declare war, it would exactly. be it would be uh, join Jesus in suffering for the gospel, and be a witness to the very end. 
So uh, that would be kind of this a merger of these two ideas where the pilgrim um, wrapped around the matters of Christ actually speaks very poignantly to a current day challenge in that example because people are being threatened. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you, you nailed it. And uh, so then the only pushback and so the, I'll, if you're if you're good i'll go on to the other yeah the part two i want of this epiphany uh, yeah i want to i want to get to the epiphany because it really it really lit a light up for me so the pushback from this is that some of these things that are outside of the the raw gospel matter and people say these are important things for well, you, you to say, yeah you could say you know uh Taxation without representation is an important concept, John. You should care about this. Yeah. Well, freedom of speech. Uh, I care hugely about freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Outside of the, you know, yeah, categorically outside. I wouldn't say thematically. It's important still. But sexual morality, I mean. education, sex education in schools, what ages? These yeah. things are important. But what you're saying, I think, is that it is an appropriate place to be in that the majority of your life is about the irrelevance of the gospel, culturally speaking. It's okay yeah. to say, I'm not the guy. Um, this is, I think, your contention. I'm not the yeah. guy who knows a lot about those things. Um, I'm going to choose to go ahead and be irrelevant, culturally speaking, so that I can be super relevant in matters of the soul, the heart, the mind, and the community faith. Well, so what it is, is it's, you know, we've talked about this a lot of the power of the smaller circles, spheres of influence. The broader the sphere of influence, the shallower that influence, and so or the, and the shallower the content as well. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, or just the in in general, the less um, impact or the less complex. You know, in in general, the the simpler things must be at that wider sphere, and the shallower your influence is there. So give an example so, because this is what you're saying. Is, I want to. I want you to give an example of what you just said. So you're. Uh, uh, you could read. Okay, you could have a. You could listen to your sermon, right? Your li- so whoever's listening to this, you listen to Jim Ladd's sermon, and you get it. Uh, or you have coffee with him for an hour and a half, and you talk about it, and you ask questions. Mm. You know, so that is uh, uh, one is digital. It's the way I'm talking to you right now. It's you can't really talk back to me, mm-hmm. uh, and and the others in person. Mostly, I mean relationally. So uh, if I wrote a heck of a book, and it makes a lot of people happy with how they spend their time is basically as, as good as most books can do. Right. They can make you go, I, that was a good uh, combined seven hours of reading, whatever. Uh, or I could be your neighbor and live a sacrificial life uh, trying to serve you and love you and show you Jesus. Which of those is the greater impact? You have the breadth or you have the depth. So there's there's one-on-one. And this implies or applies, excuse me, to, uh, I think to everything, to your influence in local politics as opposed to national politics and your influence in uh, uh, small friendships or intimate uh, relationships instead of, uh, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 of your best friends, you know, that kind of thing. So, it's, so it's a it's a principle. I, I'm, I'm digging that. I love the principle that uh, the closer, I would, let's say the closer the proximity, the deeper the value, the weight, mm-hmm. and the further the proximity, the 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 thinner uh, the weight. So um, you translated that, I think, into so go small. 
Yeah, well, in my opinion, the so what I mean when I say where this comes into this conversation is the the yeah, but to the pilgrim idea is these things matter with this principle, which I'm all bought in on. Uh, I I completely I completely buy this by this principle. I think um, it does not matter that I won't get into these quarrelsome conversations about things that do matter. Because my sphere of influence at that level is insignificant. And that mm. is the case for maybe 95% of the human race. Maybe 99% of the human race. <laughs> so uh, so, so if, you're, the, if you're the literal governor of the state and you're listening to this podcast, maybe this doesn't apply to you. But right. almost everybody else, this would apply. So, so what you're saying is that because your impact is minimal anyway, what's the point of... Um, engaging in needless quarrels when you can't you can't affect that anyway and exactly and the good news is you there is a change you can make and that is smaller and that is one-on-one that's local that's that's loving serving having compassionate conversation even if you're on these topics uh, sitting down with you for an hour and a half having coffee talking about how the um, situation in the Middle East unsettles my soul, uh, you know, would be a different experience than pontificating over Facebook or something, you know, where we're yeah. taking shots across the bow. Um, and and the the fatalism, you know, because that's what it is, is, is my, you know, fatalistic or pessimistic approach to uh, the, the, the big things, capital B, capital T. Mm-hmm. Uh, is would just be a bummer, except really it's just saying that um, you can spend your time better. You can have actual real impacts, you know, doing the one-on-one Christ and him crucified thing. And that it's it's just a waste of time, I think, in a practical sense, in a pragmatic sense, which is dismissive. And I don't mean it, you know, if I was having a different conversation with someone else, I wouldn't word it that way. But, well, I would certainly add that if your if your objective in life is to have as much influence toward the kingdom of God as possible, then certainly hyper-local is the best way to do it and to be more about love, compassion, servanthood, uh, suffering, resurrection power in your own life, kindness, goodness. uh, These things are far greater impact than your opinions about anything political or moral or social or cultural. And a little uh, sidetrack, but on the same uh, note, it, it occurred to me today because uh, I was thinking, like, how can I show, how can I love people in a way that they, you know, even notice, I guess, like when it comes to neighbors and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, f- uh, further out acquaintances. And it occurred to me, it shouldn't be that hard to beat the world's par as far as how, you're at, how your neighbor cares about you, right? It shouldn't mm-hmm. be hard for me to stand out among my other neighbors <laughs> that I love them because it's not, that's a very low bar. It's a low bar, yeah. So it's it shouldn't be, uh, I don't know, that should be a great way to spend time in a, in a fruitful way to uh, to be effective for the the gospel. Yeah. Now, now segue this into forest and trees because um, you had a real an aha that everything's a tree. There are no forests. Uh, <laughs> so I jump I jump to the punchline, but uh, get me there. So this is the same. This is to me a successful image for my own the way I think. You know. Everybody's different, but uh, for the same concept. So uh, you would say, you know, um, again, you being this proverbial 
naysayer that really might only exist in my own head. <laughs> but he says, uh, there's the big picture. You got to worry about the big picture. So there is the forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality of it, and the way we saw this happen with the early the early church, right? We saw that, uh, in my opinion, we saw that the forest is uh, not real. The forest is how we categorize, but the only thing that's actually real is trees. So, you know, you the saying... You, you got to see the forest for the trees, uh, or you can't. I, or yeah, you, you can't, can't see, see the, the forest, forest for the trees. For the trees. Uh, or hey, you got to see the trees for the forest. I've heard that too. So, so what I'm saying is that uh, we saw in the the early church and the way Jesus moved was not top down forest to trees. It was completely bottom up, and that's how Jesus preached us to live. It's completely bottom up. That the only thing that makes up the bigger culture. The only thing that makes up the entire human race is individual people. And so the power of that, you know, if you say, well, if you can't, uh, if you're not willing to influence large groups of people, then what do you do? Uh, if I think one, that the practice of influencing large amounts of people is less effective than the practice of influencing small amounts of people. And I take this tree thing to say that the more trees you influence, the more the forest changes, uh, that I think it's sound. I think that, I think that is actually how, you know, there's, a, I saw someone word it as like, not this principle, but trying to find out the mechanics of reality. Like how, how do things work? How do people work? How does culture work? Mm-hmm. I think this is part of that, that the, uh, the forest itself is just how we, uh, see things. But the only thing real, the only thing you can actually poke and touch is individual people is the trees. Yeah. I, does that, I does love- that track? It does. I, lo- I love that. It keeps coming back to the Oikos principle and the power of a life well lived, and uh, if you want to change the world, uh, you know, hope, hopefully at the end of your life, you're going to be able to find six or seven guys who will carry your dead body to the grave. And those will be the <laughs> six or seven people that you've had the most impact on. And having that kind of impact on six or seven people is a greater way to change the world than being known all over the country for your um, well-articulated positions on cultural matters. Sure. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I, I certainly... I certainly resonate with that and that this is the power. And this is, this is also harder, I think, because it's easier to be less known because the only way to do this is to be really known. Yeah. And it's more comfortable to not be known that well, to, to not have to experience vulnerability, to not have to be uh, close. Um, it's safer to be at a distance. It's safer to hide behind opinions and debates and topics uh, this requires uh, a transparent life. It requires vulnerability. It requires care. It takes time. Uh, it eats your time. It can cost you money. Um, but your point is that the only thing there really is is trees, and that's that that the forest is a misnomer. This is where I think when you said it to me the first time, you seemed passionately to believe that the forest is a made-up thing because there isn't a forest there's only trees and every tree has equal weight equal value and so choosing the value of the forest or the priority of the forest over the priority of the tree um, now i'm pushing this probably beyond its reasonable thing Um, but it really hyper focuses on the individual and life on life um the power of your life in a life. Yeah. And I think the, the value of each individual person, sometimes I get lost when I think about like, 
know, the population we have on Earth right now is so much incredibly larger than it was when Jesus was here. You know, and just like I think about like the obviously Jesus knew, but I think about the other New Testament authors like Paul. Uh, there's no way he knew that we would have eight billion people, <laughs> human beings walking on Earth, you know, in 2000 years. It's crazy. It's insane. So I, I wonder I don't think it's a unique problem to us because obviously there were lots of people walking around in the ancient Near East. Um, but we've got a lot of humans on the Earth, like just an, a, a, an amount that's impossible to fathom. So I think I think yeah, you're talking about to, you're talking about a world population under a hundred million. Yeah, seriously. So what is that? I, don't, I won't even do the math on air, but it's exponentially, you know, yeah. in, incredibly larger. Um, and I, I think and, uh, yeah, I, go for it. I, I think the something that comes to my mind in this conversation is um, one of the. It, it's really been helpful to me, and I think we might have talked about this at some point. Is the definition of culture. And culture is uh, the way we make sense of something. Um, it's 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 how it's how we make sense of a thing. Is it, that's the culture of it. Yeah. And the way culture is created is that you create culture every time you do something with something that is. And so this is powerful because when you're talking about tree to tree interaction, these are culture creating realities because. Uh, when you interact with a person and you take them or the relationship or uh, the pain or the conflict, whatever you do with that thing is culture creating. So if you seek revenge over extending forgiveness, you are creating culture. Mm. You're saying that the way to make sense of the world is that when you're betrayed, you should punish the betrayer. You should, you should get even. Um, it is eye for eye. So these are culture creating decisions. And so how is culture swept across a, uh, broadly across a group of people is by the behavior of the trees in the forest who are creating culture every time they exercise a decision at the tree level that actually dominoes into a culture creating reality. And, you know, the word you used earlier, which uh, to me is the greatest uh, detriment to me, the, the greatest fear in this level of vulner or this level of relationship is vulnerability. Uh, that is the big price that you pay, you know, it the is. anonymity, the, 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 the defense, the opportunity for hurt goes up. Uh, so I think the, that culture creating thing, the culture changing thing is less effective, the shallower the relationship, you know, if yeah. you're, if you're deep and you're doing, and you're recreating culture or, or, or showing people, uh, letting them experience the culture of the kingdom, you know, and how Jesus deals with things, how he, how he handles things that are, you know, that, uh, if you're doing that in a less intimate relationship that might just, you know, they might notice it casually or they might not notice at all mm -hmm. as opposed to a deep relationship. That's real change or at least real potential for change. Right. Again, that's proximity. The closer I am to someone, the exactly. more my presence can be felt and the more my behaviors can be observed and the more my impact can be felt. Exactly. All right, let's take a break for a second. I want to share my uh, medium or um, what, what do we call it? Object Media or, review. Uh, um, or show and tell. That's what I was yeah, looking for. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're starting uh, 21 days of prayer to kick off the year. And I found a book that um, I'm encouraging people to check out. It's a very small book. Um, it's a daily 21 daily readings 
and it's called 21 Days of Transforming Prayer, How Everything Changes When You Seek God's Face. And this is written by a guy named Daniel Henderson. And I don't know much about Daniel. I've uh, checked out his website and kind of looked deeper in there before I ordered the books. But I I like everything I see. And this book, while, you know, you're not going to go, whoa, 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 you know, (laughs) I never thought of that. You know, it's not like that. But it's just rock solid, uh, basic teaching you how to pray and how to have an effective uh, or I I don't like the word effective. How about a meaningful prayer life? And so um, you can actually get this book and other prayer resources at a website called strategicrenewal.com, strategicrenewal.com. And if you slash 21 days, it'll take you straight to this. And uh, they also have audio prayers uh, for 21 days that go along with the book. So you can listen to a prayer from Daniel Henderson um, each day of the 21 days. That's awesome. So it's just kind of a cool resource I stumbled into and that I really like and that might be useful. That's great. So there you go. All right, we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Thanks for being a part of uh, the Jim and John uh, family. And uh, what episode is this, John? What are we doing? 130 what? 140, I think. I think oh. it's, we're at 140. 140. Yeah, we are. 140. Uh, so, man, welcome to episode 140. Thanks for being supportive. We get uh, messages periodically from listeners and it it makes our day Uh, we've gotten a few of those recently and they've been very encouraging so uh, thanks for doing that okay so john a little bit of pushback i'm gonna give you one piece of pushback you tell me how you handle this sure and then um and then we'll do our takeaways so um when you say there is no forces only trees what matters is the trees and your your reasoning Correct me if I'm wrong. Your reasoning is because that's where you have weight. That's where you have the opportunity for substantial contribution mm-hmm. is at the tree-to-tree, person-to-person level. So this is where your energy belongs. This is where your time is best spent. This is where your sacrifices can be made. Um, so um, so you're giving yourself a pass from backing up looking at the forest because really my greatest contribution is to trees. So I, I get all that where sure. it breaks down for me, possibly, I'd like to know your response to this, is there are times when forest decisions have to be made and it's going to affect trees no matter what. So, you know, um, you're in a lifeboat 
or you're in a ship and there's 3,000 people in the ship and the lifeboats can only handle 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. There are going to be 1,000 people who do not survive this, uh, this naval, naval sea-bound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's going to be a thing here, and, and people are going to lose their lives. So there needs to be some way to make a forest decision. It's like the story, you know, the, the ethical challenge. I'm driving down the road. There's a school bus of children coming for me uh, on the opposite lane and a bicyclist in my lane. And I have only two choices, three really. I can kill the bicyclist. I can head on with the bus and kill all the children in the bus. Or I can just drive off the cliff and kill no one but myself. What should I do? And those are, you know, artificial dilemmas. But, um, but, But forest decisions are important because they shape culture and they make value judgments. For example, what should the speed limit be? We've talked before, you know, the speed limit used to be 55. And when it was 55, we know statistically how many people are going to die. And when we raise the speed limit to 70, we know that we just increased the fatalities in the country with a speed limit of 70. But we value um, efficiency and whatever. We value these other things that more than the lives that will be lost by changing the speed limit from 55 to 70. There, that's a forest decision. Sure. That says this is a better world. It's a better world. So, I, I, I'm so my pushback is: is it really possible that you don't need to ever play at the forest level when these kind of forest decisions uh, do impact a ton of trees? So this makes me think of uh, a chapter in our uh, reading we've been doing with the you know you talked about it a couple weeks ago the. Uh, uh, what is it with the saints? I forget the name Work of the book on lessons Work, from the saints, lessons from the saints. And so, you know, there's a, a quote in there. that says uh, in doing the will of God, there's actually not all that much to do. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, <laughs> of doing these simple things yeah. uh, over and over and they're simple, not easy. And so these big things, Oh, when will I get to, you know, what if I never get to martyr myself, if I never am persecuted for my faith, if I don't, you know, what is my life? That moment's going to come where I can stand up and I can be a witness for God in this critical moment. Yeah. And that moment's not really the the plan. Yeah. And so, you know, we have uh, uh, people who seek really ecstatic experiences with God, you know, crazy, you know, visions and and nothing against that. But there's, if you think about it like a relationship, there's much more time in the quiet. You know, you think when, how, how much time are you going to spend with your wife on vacation in your whole marriage? Mm-hmm. Maybe a combined, uh, if you're together six a long time, even, maybe, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe a year, maybe, yeah. I don't know, six months yeah. in your whole freaking 50 years, you know, or more. So much more of it is you're going to work and you're at home and it's quiet and you're eating dinner and you're making dinner and you're doing dishes. So this to me is, is the whole life. What I'm, what I'm talking about here with forest and trees is lifestyle as opposed to moments. So uh, uh, that's twofold. I, I, I've, I've two parts to this uh, to this answer that I would give. First part is I'm talking about your everyday, and I'm talking about with the the people in your life and how you mm-hmm. spend your daily time and attention and efforts and how really you view your life's purpose and where your meaning comes from as far as how you spend right. your time. And uh, and then those bigger moments are the exceptions, you know, the ver- the micro exceptions to kind of a lifestyle rule. And uh, the second is that I view. Leadership again. This is all from the perspective of somebody who uh, um, would be dragged, <laughs> kicking and screaming, to any position of leadership. I was going to say, who would avoid leadership 
uh, responsibility to the death, <laughs> but almost <laughs> just before. Um, I view leadership as a, as a talent uh, and a skill in the same way other talents and skills. So, like an athlete, for, like an athlete, exactly, or like a um, you know, uh, I think a musician. I think more the more relatable scenario might be you are management at an office and you have to do layoffs and you've got to pick people to lay off. You know, these are all trees and you have. So your job given to the company and you and this job that you're in by the will of God and you're there to show him in this position, you have to ruin some people's, you know, days, maybe Mm -hmm. maybe years or their lives. So uh, this is this is terrible. And it's really. I view it more as like, like yeah, like I'm a, like a mechanic. Like I'm, I don't know how to insert this principle into, uh, into a realm and a skill and a talent that I know that I know not, nothing of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, even there, that one is because it's more mundane. I think it happens more often than something like the Titanic. Um, it would happen still less often uh, enough for this principle to hold in your day to day. Or for you to approach that in a gospel-oriented way, as far as following up with those people personally, or, uh, but but largely there, I would claim something of something of ignorance, uh, because I don't so know what, much about what leadership. That, I'm realizing that that what I think your um, that pilgrim might not be the word. Uh, it is a good word, but actually, counselor, friend, mm. support. Sure. That this is the role. I'm learning, but I'm also comforting. So if I if I have if I have a friend, another tree, who is a leader, is a manager, having to make that decision, and they're asking me, by what principles should I make this decision? How do I how do I decide who whose career survives and whose careers don't? You might say to them, I don't know enough about that to know anything, but I know this: that Jesus is in you. And if you trust him and you bring this before him, he's going to help you make courageous decisions and he will help. You can trust him to help those who lose their jobs. Absolutely. And so now you're, you're, you're not avoiding the difficult conversation. You're, you're contributing to that conversation, what it is you have to offer. And so it's not just pilgrim. It's not just learner. It's also uh, caregiver, comforter, encourage your friend um and that is a contribution because pilgrim seems selfish that means yeah. i'm just gonna sit back here and learn i'm not gonna engage in this at all i'm just gonna learn and that'll be my uh my takeaway is at the at the root of all of this i really intend for there to be and i don't and it's it's my own fault if it doesn't come across uh this is all the dressing on a life of sacrifice on a mm-hmm. life of self-death and a journey downward in the the words of uh, Henry Nouwen, not upwards as you mature and gain in wealth and power and influence, mm-hmm. but downward as you actually, you, you, uh, serve, descend into greatness, you descend into greatness and you carry your yeah. cross more and more every day as you, as you progress. So that is the, the pilgrim is more of posture than of relationship or of mm-hmm. uh, responsibility is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at the root of this, yeah, if a friend brings that to me, my goal is service and my goal is, is love and helping them bear that as best as I can. Um, but, but I absolutely, I understand a different word choice might be better. I think counselor is good. Uh, there's one, uh, it's divisive, but the MBTI has a word for it. It's like, a some kind of Gandalf kind of figure. You know what I mean? Some, some kind of counselor or sage or, or guide. Sage like is that. good. Uh, sage. Yeah. 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 
So, uh, but that's a great distinction to make. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Well, that's my takeaway as well, that we're really not talking about uh, having the right to avoid difficult things. Right. We're talking about bringing Jesus to the difficult thing and not making a, not making uh, the difficult thing the most important thing, but making people and God the most important thing. For, in fact, they are the only two eternal things, God and people. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, listen, I hope this has been helpful to you. Uh, John, thanks for bringing the, the substance of this, and it's been helpful to me. Uh, you can catch us at uh, Instagram, Jim and John. You can go to our website, jimandjohn.com. Uh, I have some blogs in the work. We're going to post some more blogs here soon. And so you can read there. Um, you can uh, email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John on any of those uh, deals. Awesome. And again, uh, your uh, feedback to us or any messages of uh, anything, even how your holidays went, uh, yeah. or again, your New Year goals, all of that is the most uh, valuable thing you could do for us. And shortly following that would be uh, leaving a review on your platform that you listen mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, or sharing it to a friend if you think they would enjoy it. Uh, all those things help us out a ton. Yeah, and we're grateful. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. Thank you.